Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm posting this on the second day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from, well, outside on a beautiful summer night in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. I'm outside. It's a lovely night. You can hear, I don't know, I don't think there are cicadas, but there are some sort of nighttime insect going. It's a beautiful California night. It's very calm. Very, very calm. And it's the calm after a frenzy that was the waiver wire trade deadline in baseball. One that had some curious consequences. Some that had some trades that made me go, wait, what? Some had some trades that I completely predicted. And it ended with the Osseo Puig not on the airplane with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, let's let's make heads or tails out of this. Because, that, yes, trades can still be made, but they have to be passed through waivers. And we've all, I've talked ad nauseum about how I would do the trade deadline. But, you know, we're not going to get into that today. I still think the strangest trade was the Braves and the Padres flipping Matt Kemp for Hector Oliveira. Hector Oliveira was promptly DFA'd, uh, you know, another domestic abuser who's now been played, you know, back and forth between L.A. and Atlanta, now to San Diego, and now goodbye. Bye-bye. We don't need you. Uh, Matt Kemp to Atlanta is, you know, I guess that's just they want Oliveira out. And I guess they, instead of releasing him, they and I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Now, the interesting thing is if they do want to trade Matt Kemp and they want to pull off a trade, nobody would claim Matt Kemp on waivers. Um, is it that they just want a veteran on the team? I, that's one of those trades I just don't understand. I don't understand what just happened. And the other trade like that I don't understand is the Angels trading... Hector Santiago, who I thought was a decent trade ship, and getting Alex Meyer and Ricky Nolasco from the Twins. I mean, it, that in a market where there was a ton of interest in starting pitchers, that's what the Angels got? And they got the deal with Minnesota? It was just a weird, like, you know, when there's a three-team trade. That's one of those trades. Okay, that's the first part. And then the next part is, oh, that's it? Wait what? Wait what happened? I I don't I I don't get that trade. I don't understand that at all. And of course, the other thing that I just totally this makes absolutely no sense is the fact that Helixson is still with Philadelphia. Now he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and there's no way in heaven or in earth that the Phillies are going to sign him to a long-term deal. And they're probably not going to give him a qualifying offer. So that means they will get exactly piddly-poo for him. Now, I know they will probably want to 
hold out. They saw it was a seller's market. I'm sure they were trying to hold out, trying to get the best prospect they can and try to fleece someone. But do you know what? When it comes down to it, eventually you got to say, all right, what's the best offer we have on the table? Because whatever offer's on the table is going to be better than what they're going to get at the end of the year, which is nothing. I don't, you know, the Phillies got off to a nice start. The Phillies have some nice pieces. But this kind of was like reverting back to the way they were a few years ago. Even Carlos Ruiz, when the Indians didn't get Lucroy, I said, why not have the Yankees immediately offer him Brian McCann and the Phillies offer him Carlos Ruiz so they walk away at least with a catcher. But instead the Phillies basically stood pat. They had a nice start this year, but they stink. And then, well, let me go to let me go to MLB.com. Let me get let me look. And yeah, they're eleven games under five hundred. What are you doing standing pat? You had a, a commodity that people wanted. You may not get everything, but you could get something. And something, by all definitions, is better than nothing. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm not saying being a general manager is easy, but it's not that hard. When you say, okay, we're going nowhere in a hurry. We have a commodity that people want. And Helixson was someone that they picked up for next to nothing. To be able to flip that for a piece to the future, to me, I think is smart. I don't get it. There's some things I don't get. Now, there's one thing not only did I get, but I predicted, I called it the other day, that the uh, the A's would send both Reddick and Hill to Los Angeles. I I called that. That was a trade I called. It makes sense in a way. Uh, the Dodgers get a starting pitcher and an outfielder. A's get three young players. And, you know, before we start throwing the team under the bus, the A's under the bus for some of the trades they make, let's wait and see to see how these deals work out for them to see which ones are the best. But that being said, it it, it makes sense. The one thing that's worrisome if you're a Los Angeles fan is Rich Hill and his blisters, of course. And, you know, the Dodgers have had so much pitching health issues that the idea that their main pitcher that they brought in also has health issues... I mean, I, I can understand why it would make them nervous. I still think they should have signed Zach Grinke in the offseason, but what the hell do I know? But I, it's a fine move for the Dodgers. It's a move that I would have made. Now, i got to go over. There's, there's, you know, there have been a bunch of trades. Pittsburgh made a couple of deals. Um, Cleveland wound up getting Brandon Geyer to be in their outfield. Uh, the Giants picked up Matt Moore. And Will Smith. And I think both of those deals... Look, at. I don't think Matt Moore is the potential ace that he was a few years ago. But they don't need him to be. They just need him to be a good number three or four starter. And they don't need Will Smith to be anything but a decent reliever. I think that was a... I, I wish the Giants had also acquired an outfielder. But they picked up Nunez. They picked up Smith. They picked up Moore. That's a pretty decent haul. And I think that's going to fill in a lot of holes for the Giants. Uh, I I think that the fact that the Nationals picked up Melanson to be their closer, uh, that's a good solid move. I mean, I'm not in love with Melanson as a closer, but he, he can certainly do the job. Uh, the fact that the Cardinals picking up Zach Duke, 
he's just, you know he's going to do something great for the Cardinals. That's what the Cardinals do. Now, the thing that there are two general managers that I have to just point out right now because they're the ones that, as of now, appear to have won the evening. They appear to have won the trade deadline. Now, it's always difficult to point out, oh, this team won the trade deadline, this team did this, when it happens, because sometimes the big trade turns out to be, sometimes they turn out to be a bust. Like when the Red Sox trade for Eric Gagne, everyone thought that was going to be a great move to solidify their bullpen. And, he, you know, it didn't really hurt the Red Sox because they wound up winning the World Series, but it was more in spite of them. And then there's sometimes, like, at this point in 2014, when the Tigers acquired David Price and the A's acquired John Lester and Jeff Samarsta, it looked like, wow, we all know that the American League Championship Series is going to be a showdown between the A's and the Tigers, and those teams combined for zero postseason victories that year. They didn't even get to face each other. So... It's difficult to predict, it's difficult to even forecast who won the night and who won the trade deadline. But I think there are two things that we can point to that can make us say there are two general managers who can walk tall right now. John Daniels of the Rangers brought in, last year he brought in Cole Hamels and nobody saw that coming. And this year he brought in Carlos Beltran and he brought in um, Jeremy Jeffries and Jonathan Lucroy, an all-star catcher, an all-star hitter, and a left-handed reliever. Brought them in. They, 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 now, of course, it would have been great if they picked up a starting pitcher. And maybe Hellickson would have been the type of player who would have been great for that. But they have the bat to replace uh, Prince Fielder. They've got the all-star catcher to give the, you know, to be in the lineup and also to anchor the pitching staff. And Jeffries gives them a uh, some depth in their bullpen. The thing that's startling to me is they were able to make those trades. And yes, they gave up some good players. Yes, they gave up the player who uh, Dylan Tate was what the third or fourth pick in the draft. They they, they gave up um, Luis Ortiz, who was supposed to be a, a good prospect and everything. But here's the deal: they still have Gallo. They still have Jerks and Profar. They still have Nomar was it Nomar Mazar? They still have the three top players in their farm that I just assumed if they were going to pull off major trades would have to go. And instead, they were able to fortify the team. And right now, the team has a substantial lead in the AL West. Looks like they're going to win the AL West, maybe even win the AL West handily, and be able to fill in all those, you know, all those trouble spots on the team. And to be able to do that and keep all their young players? I mean, to me, that's unbelievable. And to me, that also, no matter what happens with Texas, you have to be able to point to John Daniels and said he had a successful trade deadline for able to make those moves and without gutting the farm system of those valuable commodities. He had his cake and, eat it and, and was able to eat it too. 
Just imagine if the, if the Rangers win the division this year. I picked them to win the division. They're in first place right now, and I think they are you know, by far the best team in the American League West right now. They'd be able to have back-to-back titles in the AL West, be able to fill in all those holes, and still be building towards the future. I mean, that's a spectacular job. And if they win the AL West, then Daniels can just, you know, take a bow and say, well, that's on me. The rest is on the team. And they were one bad inning away last year from going to the American League Championship Series. So Daniels had a spectacular day. And you know what? It's time to give someone credit when credit's due. You know how I have said that I am not unbiased, but I am objective. I never claim to be impartial. I never claim to be unbiased, but I am willing to give people credit when credit is due, and I'm willing to criticize people when they are do something worthy of criticism. I have been on this podcast either by myself, with Lisa Swan, with Jason Kaida, with any Yankee voice that I've had on here, And I have trashed Brian Cashman left and right over the years. I have trashed him because I don't think he makes good trades. I have trashed him because I think he has taken a Yankee team where being a pennant contender, a pennant winner, was a given to the point where they are going to once again miss the postseason. And it looked like they were going to miss the the postseason in the worst way you can do it. And that is being old, expensive, and bad where there's no hope for the future and the present sucks. And to be able to say, oh, we're the Yankees, we're the Yankees. Well, no one cares. And I really didn't think they were going to pull the trigger and do the rebuilding process. And they did. Now, I would have taken it, as I said, I insinuated I would have taken it two steps further. I would have traded away Brian McCann and tried to get the Cleveland package for him. And I would have tried to trade CC Sabathia and see if you could pry someone away from L.A. or Texas or many teams that needed a starting pitcher. But that being said, the fact that they flipped Chapman for four players, they flipped Miller for four players, and they got an excellent outfielder in the Miller trade. They got a solid infielder in the Chapman trade. That they flipped uh, Beltran to the Rangers and got someone who was one of the top draft picks from last year and the top pitcher who was drafted. And that they traded Ivan Nova for two living human beings. That the Yankees did something that I'd been encouraging them to do. To not just rebuild, but to rebuild with a sense of quantity. Not just quality. To do what the Astros did, which is to try to flood their farm system with as many players as they can, thinking that, do you know what, a couple of them will stick. And if the players like Ref Snyder and Judge and some of the other players coming up through the farm system can do their job, then no, I don't think the Yankees are going to win this year. I don't think anyone does, even with the victory they had last night to the Mets in extra innings. Just they're not as talented. So now, they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The attendance is going to suck the rest of the way. The ratings are going to suck. But you know what? They were gonna, the attendance was going to stink, and the ratings are going to stink no matter what. 
because they're non-contenders. And you're going to see 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016. That's an entire presidential term that will, the postseason success will equal one wild card game where they were shut out. In a four-year span, that's what they got. And you can say Yankee fans won't accept anything but that, but you know what? I think you're going to see Yankee fans are thrilled with what they, what Brian Cashman pulled off today. I'm not unbiased. I'm not impartial. But I am objective. Cashman and company, and if I gave the blame to Cashman in the past, I got to give the credit to Cashman right now. That's being objective. That he got some good prospects and a lot of bodies. Some of those players may click. Some of those players may help someone else click. I don't know the answer. The universe is a chain reaction that you have control over some things and no control over other things. And the Yankees decided, whether it was Cashman or whomever, but I'll give him the credit because I gave, I gave him the blame, to say, do you know what? We're not going to win this year. Let's do the job. And I'm praising him. When, it's funny. The last time I could think of something like this, of someone who I just constantly just trashed and said, you know what, he's he's not even good at his job. He has the aura of being good at his job because of the people who he's surrounded with, but he himself is no good at his job and keeps getting a pass left and right. But then suddenly says, all right, he did his job this time. And you know what, even if it didn't yield a huge bounty, kind of like the trade that the Rangers made for Mark Teixeira, which basically laid down the foundation for the two World Series teams that they had, or the the Red Sox trading Heathcliff Slocum and getting Derek Lowe and Jason Varitek in return. Even if they don't register like that, the fact that they made moves like this shows that they're at least thinking in the right direction if you're a Yankee fan. And the only example that I could think of like this, of something in my life that I've just uniformly disliked and suddenly had to give credit where credit is due. Boy, oh boy, this is going to sound weird, but trust me, in your pal Sully's mind, this makes sense. And that's Richard Gere in the movie Chicago. I never liked Richard Gere. I thought he was boring baloney. And every time I heard that Richard Gere was up for this part, like an American gigolo, or another part, an officer and a gentleman, and, and that... It seemed that every part that he was offered was originally offered to John Travolta. I kept thinking, do you know what? I so would rather see Travolta in that movie. So much better to see John Travolta. I think Officer Gentleman was offered to Travolta. I'm pretty sure that American Gigolo was. That I just thought no matter what Richard Gere was in, he bored the snot out of me. I just felt that he had no charisma. And that he would be surrounded by people with charisma. He'd be surrounded by Deborah Winger in her prime. Louis Gossett Jr. winning an Oscar. You know, in, uh, uh, what was the other film I just mentioned? Oh, in Pretty Woman. He's surrounded by Julia Roberts in her prime. You know, in any film that he was in, he's like Richard Gere. Okay, Richard Gere's in this. Snore. Snore, snore, snore. He's in the what's that film he was with with Diane Lane, the 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 affair movie where the, she where he kills Olivier Martinez with the the snow globe, 
uh, was I think it was Unfaithful, was that film? You know, it's good film, good film. But yeah, it's because Diane Lane's great in it. Is every time that there was a movie where it was a big hit and he was in it, it was the, the, the quality of the film was because of the people surrounding him. The Cotton Club, surrounded by Diane Lane, surrounded by Bob Hoskins, surrounded by Francis Coppola directing. This unbelievable crew on that film. And in the center of it is this, this vortex of boredom that is Richard Gere. And then the movie Chicago came out. Another film that was offered to John Travolta. And I saw Chicago and I said, wow, Richard Gere is great in this movie. He is great in this movie. And he was. Richard Gere was fantastic in Chicago. And I had to give him credit for that. I couldn't say, oh, he stinks, because every other time I saw him in a film, I thought he stunk. No. I had to say he was good. I am biased. I have, I am, I am partial. I'm biased against Richard Gere. I'm partial against Richard Gere, but I am objective. And he was objectively fantastic in that movie. And to be fair, he's also very good in a later film called The Hoax. Again, great director, Lasse Holstrom. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So yeah, that's, the, that's where I have to sit with Brian Cashman. He's Richard Gere in Chicago. Year in and year out, Cashman made terrible decisions. And, and was Teflon, like Richard Gere. When I would say something like, I don't like Richard Gere. What do you mean you don't like Richard Gere? He's a great actor. No, he's not. What do you mean Brian Cashman's not a good GM? Look at all the success he has. He inherited it. The, 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 the talent surrounded him. Derek Jeter. Pettit. Rivera. Posada. Luis Gossett Jr. Julia Roberts. But he did the right thing today. Took a look around and said, let's get some good prospects. Because I kept saying, if they could get one good prospect for a bunch of these players, that's great. But they got the good prospect and got the additional bodies into the farm system. And that's what the Yankees need. The Yankees now have a very interesting farm system. I do not think the Yankees are going to win the World Series in 2017, but I think they're going to be in a situation where if the, some of these players start to come to fruition, 2018 and 2019 could be a situation where you see a new core of players emerge from the farm. You have to give credit when credit is due, even if you never gave that credit to anyone else before. Even when you the, everything beforehand pointed to someone stinking when they do something right, you got to do it. Uh, Mike Schmidt, not the third baseman for the Phillies, but someone who follows me on in the Twitterverse said, you know, someone pointed out about the trades and said something to Lisa Swan, who is the number one Cashman hater, said, Lisa and Sully, it's okay to admit you're wrong. Cashman was the man of the day today. Please stop the hate. Now, first of all, I wasn't wrong before. 
He made crap decisions before. He took he inherited the team, had full control, and the results were lousy. That's not being wrong. Richard Gere is boring as hell an officer and a gentleman. But because the, that statement doesn't also mean I'm going to hate him today. I am going to stop the hate because he did the job. I'm going to do the job later and figure out who won baseball, but I can tell you one thing. Danny Duffy certainly did, and Max Kepler certainly did, and I'll figure out the rest later. So on this trade deadline, yeah, Brian Cashman equals Richard Gere. And John Daniels equals freaking Harry Houdini. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Reviewing the trade deadline and moving forward on this day. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the second day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Don't call me Richard Gere. Call me Sully. <laughs>